0: for the social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is The Podcast for Marketers and Business Owners who want to know what works with social media. You're going to love today's show. I'm going to be joined by Jay Bear, and we're going to explore social media marketing strategy. If you've always wanted to refine your strategy, but you just weren't sure what the steps are that you should take, I think you're going to find today's conversation exceptionally illuminating. Those are two words that are not easy to say back to back. Try to say it yourself. By the way, I am at Stelsner on Instagram if you want to tag me and let me know what you think about the show. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. And for those of you that are longtime subscribers, that's the new vernacular to subscribe it's follow. So just follow the show because we've got some great content coming your way. All right, let's transition over to this week's interview with Jay Baer.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend, Jay Baer. He is a marketing strategist and founder of Convince & Convert, a digital marketing and customer experience consultancy. He's also co-host of the Social Pros podcast, co-author of Talk Triggers, and many other books. Jay, welcome back to the show for the eighth time.
1: The eighth time, Mr. Michael Stelzner. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Hello, everybody out there. Great to be with you on this esteemed podcast, one of the all-time great podcasts. Always a delight to be with you.
0: Well, it's super exciting to have you back. It's been about a year and a half uh, since we've had you back. And last time you were on was in January of 2020, before the world changed. Yeah, and, right uh, before the world changes, Now the world out. has changed, you know, seemingly multiple times. And um, given that the world seems to be opening back up in the early summer of 2021, as we're recording this, uh, late spring, early summer, I'm curious, you know, why does strategy, in particular social media strategy, Matter these days? Is it more important? Is it less important? Like, what's your take in light of everything that's going on and will likely continue to go on in the future?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting, right? And as we record this, I've not been on a plane for 14 and a half months. Wow. <laughs> and, and in 2019, I was on 145 flights in a year. <laughs> so I went from 145 to zero. So things have definitely changed. And one of the things that have changed, and you know this, you talk about this on the show is that everybody is using social media more because there's fewer other things to do and a huge increase in internet usage. I saw a stat just today, Mike, that said that bandwidth, broadband, uh, I should say broadband consumption up 40% last year in one
0: year. I would guess uh, Netflix and Disney Plus are a big part of that, don't you think?
1: For sure, absolutely. HBO Max, the whole the yes. whole deal. Yeah, we should do a show on that. This idea of like going streaming, saving you money. I'm like, I'm not sure that's true. When <laughs> I add of all the things that I was subscribed to, but you know, you've got everybody using the internet more, using social media more, both for entertainment and for communication. And so, I will tell you that social media strategy is more important than ever because just showing up to the party, just being active in social media, it gives you absolutely no inherent results. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to break through in social and get reach and engagement and are not, partially because they're doing random acts of social. They don't have a strategy. They don't know who their actual audience is. They don't know what their key messages are. They're not varying their messages by channel. They're just kind of doing stuff and going through the motions, and, and that will not work. The algorithm is too smart, the competition is too fierce, as I've said in the past, probably on this show. The one thing that's true about social that's not true of every other kind of marketing is in social, you're competing against the whole world. Mm -hmm. Right. In regular marketing, you're competing against your competition. Other people who sell the same things you do in social, you're competing against Kardashians and the NFL and John Bon Jovi and everything else that's going on in the world. Literally, the news feed is rampant. And your aunt and uncle and kids and all those people. right? Yes, of course. And Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and TikTok and Snap and everybody else. uh, YouTube are going to show you what they think you're going to react to. And. Chances are what you're going to react to is not going to be content from a business. It's going to be content from people you actually know or a celebrity or somebody that you really care about. And so that makes it all the harder for business and why strategy is absolutely imperative. You really have to know what you're doing because otherwise social does not uh, work and it can become very expensive if you're trying to pay for reach and engagement every time out.
0: And nobody could have predicted a pandemic. They really couldn't have. I mean, you know, there was predictions that someday we would have it, but nobody could have predicted it would have happened when it happened. Right. And in addition, nobody could have predicted the way it changed consumer behaviors. And it's also very difficult to predict how consumer behaviors will change as the world right. opens back up, right? So we are in a bit of a transition period right now where people will begin to do more things outside, more things with other people. They'll begin to go back to restaurants they'll begin to go back to small local events eventually larger you know sporting events and concerts and experiences there'll be a big movement i think eventually for a big chunk of the population to want to go back to those kinds of experiences and as a result there will be a behavior change on social some will some will not change some will change and that's where strategy is very important right because you've got to keep a pulse We had, if you will say, almost a heyday for social here for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And there will be less eyeballs on social, presumably, or they will spend less time on social. Therefore, strategy will be even more important, I would think, in the coming years. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's a really astute point. And and we're working with a lot of our corporate clients starting to think through some of those issues and do some tests already on, on cadence and day part. You know, when do you publish content? Um, for a long time now, things nights and weekends have actually been really successful in many cases because people are using social as their entertainment. But you're exactly right. If you can go to a game, if you can go to a concert, if you can go to some other kind of of gathering, more restaurants, et cetera, bars even, maybe you're not going to be on social as much nights and weekends. And so now you say, all right, we got to reflight our messaging uh, at a different time. You know, I've been doing this forever, as you know, and this reminds me very much of how we have consistently had to rethink email as well. When do you send email? What day? What time? I know you're really smart about email testing and optimization in your organization, Mike, and social, you know, has to have that same kind of science behind it. You can't just say, well, I got a cute you know, photo. Let's put it on Facebook and hope for the best. It's not going to work.
0: Yeah, that's why I think it's really important to kind of keep your eye on macro trends going on with consumer behavior and your audience, but also keep your eyes on trends that are going on you know, at the, at the channel platform level because there's lots of changes going on there as well. Let's talk about content. You and I both love content, Talk about the role of content when it comes to social media strategy.
1: In our organization, we think of social as having sort of two sides of the same coin You have proactive social where you're posting something in order to create awareness or change behavior in some way. And then you have reactive social, which in many cases is social care or social customer service. Both are are really important, especially for large companies where customers reach out in social all the time. And now what's changed a lot since I wrote my book, Hug Your Haters, a few years ago was every social channel is a customer service channel now whether whether you want it to be or not like tiktok is a customer service channel instagram is a customer service channel and a lot of companies aren't prepared for that they still think it's sort of twitter facebook only and you know wh- wherever you exist customers could reach out so that part's really important on the content side it's it's funny we do a lot of content marketing strategy for clients and a lot of social media strategy and i'm always asking my team Why do we even sell these as two different things? Because every time we do a content marketing strategy, there's a big social media component to it. And every time we do a social media strategy, it starts with content. I'm like, why do we even go through the motions of calling these two different things? Because ultimately, social is either where the content exists or where you amplify the content, usually both. So the difference, I think, is becoming more and more semantics than anything meaningful.
0: Define content In the way that you would explain it to a client, because, you know, a lot of people might not think of it the way you think of it. So when it Mm -hmm. comes to content in light of social strategy, what would that be? What would be some of the elements that might be
1: content? So when we think of content, we think of anything that you create or curate that you want to put in front of a customer or a prospective customer in order to change their thinking or their behavior. For example? For example, a podcast. Mm-hmm. Or a video on YouTube. Or, and this is where it gets interesting. This is, I think, the heart of your question. Or a video that's two and a half minutes long that is native to LinkedIn. Right. So is that content or is that social?
0: Or even live content, right?
1: Right. Precisely. Or an ebook that you have to go to a web page to download because we gate it, but we promote that ebook in social. Right. Right. So that's social as amplification increasingly, the way we kind of make the decision is where does the content live? Like, where is its home base? So, as I mentioned, if you have a video series, we did one recently for Vidyard, uh, a video series where the videos themselves are native to LinkedIn. Yeah, you can get them in a, in a collection somewhere else on their website or YouTube, but but they're native to LinkedIn. We would think of that as sort of social content.
0: Right. Because you can engage with it, you can share it, you can exactly. like it, comment, all that stuff, right?
1: Exactly. But if it's a blog and you're going to promote each individual blog post in social, to me, that feels more like content and you're just using social as an amplification lever.
0: Correct. Yep. I do believe that what I'm hearing you say is at the core of social media strategy, specifically from a marketing perspective, content has got to be there, right? no content, it's not going to be
1: very easy. <laughs> well, especially because I think we talked about this last time I was on the show. Increasingly, we find, and I know you have seen this as well in your own experimentation, that consistent episodic social tends to work better than random social. So doing shows, and we do a lot of shows, like in Michigan, right, you guys do a ton of shows as well, tends to work best because your audience remembers it. They can tune in. They know you for it. They recognize it. And that, to me, the idea of making shows, and I'm throwing out my air quotes now, that shows in social start to feel an awful lot like a content execution. Let's outline
0: kind of the elements of a good social strategy. Mm -hmm. Said another way, you know, there's a lot of marketers listening right now who maybe don't have a strategy. Maybe they've just, they're just doing what they've always done because they've always mm-hmm. done it, right? I mean, how many times have you gone and experienced that, right, with your mm-hmm. clients? And they haven't really thought strategically about their marketing objectives and so on and so forth. I know you've come up with a really cool methodology that I would love you to share with our audience specifically about how you think about social strategy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to understand before you even work on the strategy is that social media isn't free. There's not only an actual cost because you're going to have to spend time on it and you maybe have to buy software or hire designers or video editors or whatever, right? It's not free. And you have a huge opportunity cost as well, right? You could be doing something else with the time that you're spending on social. It's also important to understand that despite the fact that social is very pervasive in our lives, there's no rule that says you have to do it. So the first question we ask in a social media strategy is why should we do this at all? Mm. Why should we do this at all? What, what is the actual business value of this? And if you're not really sure what the business value is, if you're just doing it reflexively or because you think you should or you always have or everybody does it, that's not a good enough reason. So we really try and focus on what is the company trying to achieve as a company? And then how does social media support that? What are some of the
0: common reasons why your clients are doing what they're doing on social media?
1: Typically, I shouldn't say typically because we have so many different types of clients. Right. Just give me a couple of the
0: traditional yeah. motivations. Yeah, so i think
1: about, like, like we do a lot of work in higher education. So in a university setting, it's even more interesting because different parts of the university have different goals for social. So you can't really have one social strategy. You have to have multiple social strategies that kind of work together. So for a foundation, for example, which is charged with getting people to donate money to the university for research or a new building or what have you, their goal is to use social to make sure that people know what work the university is doing and how they can help support that, right? Sure. You look at uh, universities also typically have some sort of social program to educate and inspire potential students. So Mm -hmm. often the target there would be um, high school students, but sometimes it's international students, non-traditional students in some way. Usually there's a social strategy for current students, people who are on campus now. How do you keep them informed? How do you make sure they're having a great experience? How do they know where the library is? There's usually a a significant part of social media customer service in that strategy as well. Then you have a strategy for recruiting professors and, and support staff and on and on and on and on. So all of those are are sort of their own independent initiative that kind of roll up into the university-wide social strategy, for example. So
0: if I was to like wrap a bow around that, I would, what I'm hearing you say is part of it is just to remain kind of out there and present in front of your ideal audience, um, whether that ideal audience is a donor or a customer or a prospective customer, right? In the case of future students. The other side of it is, you know, uh, employees, right? Mm -hmm. The recruitment side of it. And then the other side of it is servicing the people, donors, customers, whatever. And then of course, there's also direct selling, which we that's didn't right. talk about, right? Which is a little harder to do, but you know, that's where you can actually close deals, you know, that's on right. the social platforms, right?
1: A little trickier a university. It's not like, you know, add tuition to cart, but maybe someday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And exa- for a university, it's a, it's a much more complex sell obviously, right? I've got, you know, a kid in university another kid about to go to university, right? You're It's a very complex sale and it's a very big investment. So, but for customers that are selling smaller products, they might not have as complex of a sale. So that's why you could definitely get a purchase right off the social platforms. What you said so far is remember, it's not free. There's a cost Mm -hmm. and an opportunity cost, and you need to know your why. Mm -hmm. Once you've got that figured out, what are the elements of a social strategy? Talk about that.
1: First is audience. Who are you trying to reach? And the audience should be assigned by channel because your audience is likely to be different on TikTok versus LinkedIn.
0: When you say assigned by channel, what do you mean?
1: Well, when we do a social strategy, we actually put together a target audience per social channel.
0: Ah, so we're targeting marketers. So we say,
1: yeah, who are the people we're gonna reach on LinkedIn versus who are the people we're trying to reach on Snap?
0: Ah, okay. And are they even on Snapchat, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like go back to my university example. If you're trying to reach donors who are typically older,
0: they're not on Snapchat.
1: They're not on Snapchat. And if you're trying to reach current students or prospective students, better example, high school students, they're not on LinkedIn yet.
0: Yeah, they're on TikTok though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we lean into TikTok for for an audience like that. So, understanding that you're going to reach different people in different social channels is really important. And I think it's illustrative to think about social media now almost the way you'd think of television. You're not going to have the same audience for HGTV, that channel, as you would for, I don't know. History Channel? History History Channel, Channel, sure. Or CBS or or even better, Nickelodeon. CNBC. Nickelodeon, yeah. Yeah. CNBC is a great example, of course.
0: Okay. No one's watching
1: CNBC on accident, right? You're either into business or you're not. Right. And so we often historically have thought of social media horizontally, like it's, you know, social media, like it's one thing, but it's not it's a series of of channels each with a different purpose and a different audience and a different success path
0: and some can say it's true that everyone is on facebook but everyone really isn't on facebook right cuz when you get down to the granulars of it right if you're trying to reach teenagers who are going to be looking at college in a few years they're definitely not on facebook their parents are on facebook that might be a target audience you're going after right
1: well, of course, and, and and there's a big difference. You've seen this in your social media report, and and uh, Tom Webster um, sees this in their data at Edison each year as well. Having an account on Facebook and using Facebook consistently enough that you're going to see and engage with your content there are not the same things. Yes, mm-hmm. everybody has a Facebook account, even if it's just for Messenger, which is how a lot of kids use it, But but that's not the same as checking Facebook every day at all, right? So it's a little bit of a misstatement to say that everybody's on Facebook.
0: Yep, and the truth is, I would imagine you don't need to be everywhere with your social strategy either, right? Especially for the smaller businesses.
1: No, in fact, usually you don't because if you try to be everywhere, usually you're gonna be mediocre everywhere.
0: Right, do you advise going where the audience, whichever channel happens to have the audience?
1: It's a combination.
0: And your content wheelhouse, right? That kind of thing, right?
1: And that's exactly right. Like When we look at a strategy, we say, what's the company trying to do? How can social support that? What are the key metrics that actually matter? Like, how do we know if this is working? And it's not number of followers, right? How do we actually know this is working? What audiences are you trying to reach in which channel? And then we get to the the question that you're asking, which is, all right, what are the content themes that we believe are going to resonate with the audience that's unique to this channel? Hmm. And then inside those themes, what are the actual shows, the actual social media executions that we're going to post? And what are the kind of key elements of those actual posts? That's kind of how we kind of how we break it down.
0: So talk to me about this content theme idea. Mm -hmm. So let's just stick with You know, this college example. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're targeting uh, the kids that want to go to uh, a college someday and you pick a platform. You get to decide. I don't care if it's Instagram or Mm -hmm. or TikTok. Mm -hmm. You, You get to decide, but pick one. And like what kind of themes would you come up with? How would you what does that mean?
1: Yeah. Actually, the way you would typically do it. Usually the themes are across the whole company. So you might have four, six, eight content themes for the business, but you apply individual themes to individual channels. Does that make sense? Give me an example. So one of our clients is Purdue University. Like lots of universities, they have a million stories to tell, right? It's a big school, a legendary research institution. They just have done a lot of neat things there, and they still do. So there's lots of things that they could point to as their why, if you will. But if everything is your why, nothing is your why. So working with them, we created eight themes, eight sort of things that are, that are differentiators about Purdue. Affordability is one. They haven't raised tuition for six years in a row, innovation is one, diversity is one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they've got these eight themes that are true, that are different for Purdue versus other higher education institutions. And then what we do is we say, all right, knowing which audiences are on which channels, which of these themes are going to resonate best on which channel. Right, So if you're talking about affordability, for example, you probably aren't going to use that in LinkedIn very much because if LinkedIn is where you're trying to reach donors, donors really don't care that much about affordability because they're graduates, right? They're alums. They've already been to school. Affordability is going to matter to parents of prospective students, prospective students and current students. So where are they? So we assign the themes to the channels based on where the audiences are. Does that make sense? Totally.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, first you identify where that audience is that you want to engage with or attract to you. Then you figure out what's unique about your product or company or organization. Right. What's the unique differentiator?
1: Why does anybody care?
0: Right. And those inform content is what I'm hearing you say. Right. So connect the dots to the content from the themes, like just just pick innovation, for example. How would that lead to content? Like what would you do with that?
1: Yeah. So, for example, we would might suggest, okay. We're gonna try and focus on innovation, um, and innovation is going to be a message that resonates with prospective faculty and staff, right? So a recruiting message, you wanna work for a school that's innovative, and let's say for donors. That being the case, um, we're gonna try and lean into that theme on LinkedIn and Twitter. We're going to do a weekly LinkedIn live series where we have an interview with a professor or a researcher at Purdue who's doing really interesting work that's kind of groundbreaking. And it's going to be short because we don't want to take up day. It's going to be like a seven minute interview.
0: You probably could get the film program at the university to film the whole thing, too, I would imagine. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's a little harder now. It's been hard for the last year for our higher ed clients because of. COVID, right? It's hard to create content. Yeah. When well, that's true. People, if the
0: school's been shut. Yeah, yeah,
1: people aren't on campus. It's, it's harder. But that's how we would do it. We would create a show that showcases that theme on that channel for that audience. And we would say, okay, this show is daily. This show is weekly. This show is monthly. This show is quarterly. And that gives the team at Purdue or any of our clients, because we don't do execution work, right? We're a strategy firm. We don't make stuff. It gives them a playbook and basically a recipe make this content around this theme for this audience on this channel to achieve this success metric and move the organization forward in these ways.
0: Very, very interesting. So I would imagine if we take a a different kind of a company that doesn't have all the massive resources that a university has, right? Because they've got all these students that yep. are willing to work for next to nothing. Can you give an example of another kind of business? Maybe that doesn't have like endless, <laughs> you know, students that are willing to do it, do something for nothing. Sure.
1: It's the exact same process for any business. Okay. It's the exact same process. The only difference is you say, maybe we can't be on every social media channel because we don't have enough people or budget. So let's pick channels that, that where our, really important audiences are, because not every audience can be of equal importance. Right. So maybe we're only going to be on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, because we only have time, money, effort, people to support those three. Great. Then do awesome stuff on those three. And we usually have fewer shows. So fewer channels, fewer shows, less involved shows right so instead of doing an interview series maybe it's a carousel right with just simple images that are talking about really interesting stuff that you're doing in your plumbing business right or it's a customer interview right
0: or an IG live instagram live with the customer that you saved your IGTV channel or
1: whatever right so so what we do what what exp- if you think about an accordion what expands in the accordion is as the company gets bigger and the budget gets bigger what expands are the channels mm. the number of shows and the production value of the shows. Interesting. But everything else is the same.
0: Fascinating. So so far we've talked about the audience, the content themes, and then ultimately what you're calling shows, which is really content of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's it's and the reason we call it shows is cuz we really believe that episodic consistent. consistent execution beats random execution.
0: Awesome. And then the next step is I would imagine somehow analyzing this, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, the one step we didn't talk about that, that is fairly important is amplification. Okay. Is to say, all right, do we need to boost posts? Do we need to put some paid against it? Like if you're going to do a weekly LinkedIn Live, okay, other than just doing a weekly LinkedIn Live, how does anybody know that you're doing this weekly LinkedIn Live, right?
0: So- uh, You might have to email people.
1: There's sort of a launch plan for each show. Mm. Um, and is that email, is it paid? Is it, you know- I don't know. There's cross a lot of social,
0: cross social promotion, right? Yes. You know, like, uh, for example, like whenever I do something on Clubhouse, we're promoting it on all the social platforms right. just to try to get people to show up there. So that's what you mean. Amplification can be organic or paid. That's right. right.
1: Yeah. When we made strategic plans, we used to make, paid its own thing. But I was like, it doesn't really matter, right? It's just amplification. And some of it you have to pay for it. Some of it's organic. Some of it's your employees or your customers, current customers, some of it's email. So we do it differently now where we just say, all right, how are we going to get the word out? And some of that might require some budget.
0: Distribution and amplification potentially could be the same. I would imagine like if you had an email list, yeah. then you're just you like, you got a newsletter and you're linking to it.
1: It's basically the same. We always just call it amplification because we just want to have one fewer section of the documents that we deliver. But yeah, it's the same. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So we've got these themes, we've created this content and we're figuring out how to amplify it. And in some cases, there might not be an ability to amplify it, right? If you're really small and you haven't built up these other channels yet and you don't have the budget.
1: Well, yeah, but you could always amplify it. Like, let's say for, for even your case, Mike, let's say your company is doing a YouTube show of which you do lots. Right. You could amplify it through your personal Twitter account. That didn't, ah, it didn't cost anything. Yeah.
0: Or even a, creating a blog post out of it, right? Precisely. Got it. Okay, cool. So after you amplify it, then we've got to measure it, right? So talk to me about that because I think most people skip this step, I would think. Yeah. You know?
1: we actually have a really detailed measurement system that we developed called the seven A's. And I won't go through all of it because people are going to like get bored. But um it each a and letter a stands for a different part of social success so we have um, applause we have amplification we have um, access we have audience and, and so what we're trying to do is measure all the different components of success right so how many people are seeing your posts? how many people are engaging with them how many people are liking or sharing them etc cetera, etc cetera. obviously we look at things like traffic generation from social if that's one of your goals Obviously, products sold if that's one of your goals, et cetera. So we we try to add a lot of clarity around the metrics and also wherever possible, report the metrics holistically. And let me tell you what I mean by that. What a lot of people will do is they'll say, All right, well, we have this many followers on Facebook, this many on Instagram, this many on Twitter. We had this many likes, comments, shares on Twitter versus Instagram, whatever. And I guess it's fine to report those, but like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like that? It's Mm -hmm. just uh, like, okay, what we try to do is roll those together and say across all of your social program, you know, what's your total audience for, for across all channels? Cause that's what really matters, right? This isn't an Instagram contest. It's a social media contest. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting where we do the strategy by channel, but we do the reporting together.
0: Do you have a tool that you recommend that does this? Because I think you and I both know that the audience, addressable audience, and the actual impressions can be very different, Absolutely,
1: yeah. So we we use um, Rival IQ for a lot of our data. We use Meltwater as well. But there's, you know, sometimes there's no substitute for just logging into the tool and pulling and pulling your numbers. And then to merchandise this, to, to kind of create the reports and show people, you know, what's going on. Um, we we actually have it built in Airtable. Um, and Mike, I can send you, you can put it in the show notes. We've got a, a long blog post about this measurement schema, the seven A's, and actually a downloadable template that people can use for themselves. I can send it to send it over to you.
0: Yeah, sure. So are you finding that it is indeed, are these tools able to tell you the actual versus, you know, like I said, like, you know, we have, you know, 600,000 or something crazy like that followers just in our Facebook Mm -hmm. page, but we look at the actual reach of our posts and it's ridiculous, right? Like we're talking like one to two and a half percent on a really, really really good day. You know what I mean? That's the part that I, Think because people aren't measuring; they have no sense of reality. Yeah. Right. Because if people truly knew how many people were seeing their organic activities, they might call a lot of it into question, wouldn't they?
1: Oh, I, I had that conversation with a client today, and they were saying we yeah. have this many Facebook fans. I'm like, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So we we do report total total fans and followers. Yeah. Only because you know, even though. You are exactly right. It does not matter. Every single CEO I've ever worked with in my 30-year career wants to know the number. So we report it anyway. But what we really pay attention to is, is your actual addressable audience, people that you actually reached.
0: And this is the part where I think it's worth spending just a few minutes talking about because I think that many marketers, social marketers, they just look at the data, but they don't necessarily say, all right, this is a goal or this is a good, this is good, this is not good. And it's really difficult to know, right? Like what is good and what is not good? Because if we don't have some sort of a standard to measure against, then how in the world are we going to say, all right, we should stop doing that or we need to do more of that, right? right? So you
1: got any words of wisdom on that? I mean, a couple of things. One, you should always set a goal for yourself. And if you say, all right, we looked backwards 90 days and here's our baseline. Here's what we typically have done over the last 90 days. Will set a goal for yourself that you're going to beat that by twenty percent. And I love that.
0: I know, love that. Compete against yourself. That's really powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the first thing is to compete against yourself. Second thing is to compete against the people that you know you actually compete against. So one of the reasons we use rival IQ as a tool is that it's really really good at competitive analysis. So every client we have, we've got a, you know a report set up that pulls all the social media data can't get it in LinkedIn because of the way their API works, but all the social media data across many social channels for every competitor. So I can tell you in literally two clicks how my client is doing on Instagram versus everybody they compete against at the per post level and even by stories versus Channel. newsfeed versus whatever, right? So Very cool. that really helps to be able to say, okay, well, you know, are we just getting crushed by other people? Um, it's good to know that, obviously.
0: I would guess that stage one is to become aware, right? Yes. Like like a lot of marketers just need to be fully aware of actually how many people they're reaching and what actions they're taking. And we're very active on YouTube, as you know, Jay. But what I love about YouTube is they provide incredible analytics. So like yep. when you look at a video on YouTube, you see those retention graphs, right? And you know exactly where they're dropping off, how long they're sticking around, that's the kind of stuff that once you begin to look at that and you begin to think about that, and not all the platforms like LinkedIn does not provide this level of detail. No. Facebook does. I don't think Instagram does. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, but Facebook does a pretty good job. But once you begin to understand things like retention and all that stuff, then it really does help you, I think, make decisions about whether to invest in continuing to create really expensive content that may or may not be in- consume yes you know
1: yes it's so true people gather data but then don't do anything with it (laughs) it's like so now you've just cost yourself more money because you got to pull the reports and retention on a youtube video is the perfect example if you've got a a 14 minute video and you see that everybody's dropping off after three and a half minutes you need to change the way you do the video you can't just be like oh well i guess people don't like it it's like dude come up with a different thing test something new it's very frustrating when you see something that is underperforming and people just keep plowing that same field indefinitely it's like give it another try like you know work on an alternative and see if that's better
0: so so far we've understood the opportunity costs and that it's not free and we have figured out our why we figured out our audience by channel We've come up with some content themes, which are distinctives about our company or business or organization and, and some content slash shows, as you call it, that we can create to try to attract that ideal audience. And then we've figured out a way to amplify it through organic or paid. And and we've finally begun to measure it. What's the next step?
1: Well, I think it's what we were just talking about, Mike. It's, it's in the measurement saying, all right. Are the shows that we launch the right shows or do we need to try to amplify them differently or create different shows? Do we need to be in a different social channel? Maybe we didn't launch on Snap because we didn't have the resources, but maybe now we do. Um, You have to have that continuous testing and optimization um, mindset. It's funny to be in the social media strategy business because at some level, I believe that having a social media strategy can sometimes do you more harm than good if you think that the social media strategy has a longer shelf life than it does. What I always tell our clients is, look, you know, we're delighted to help you create a strategy, but we've got to revisit this strategy all the time because things change so quickly and and happen so fast and the algorithm changes or new social channels like Clubhouse, et cetera. So you, know, you, you have to continue to come back. It has to be a living document. I love that. So even even an annual strategy is hilarious. An annual strategy. You want to tell me that that next year, right in twenty twenty two, what works in social is going to be exactly the same? I'd be willing to bet you infinity dollars. That's not true.
0: And this is the problem: is that most people don't understand this because they think a business strategy, and you're thinking about a strategy right. that you're going to employ business
1: strategy five years,
0: five. Yeah, plan. but that's that's not. Social strategy is
1: like five weeks. Five-year five year you know, social media strategy is is ridiculous. We used to, when we first started doing this, people would ask us to do that. Can you give us a five-year social media strategy? I'm like, nope, <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> so,
0: you know, with this analysis, we are looking for little gems, I would imagine, too, right? Like, what's working and and can we come somehow leverage that on other channels and in other
1: opportunities, right. right? Absolutely. And the other thing that's, we didn't talk about it here specifically yet, but... If you, if you got your ears open and your eyes open, you will learn so much about your audience and your product and your service and, and what your customers really care about and want just by engaging with them and seeing how they interact with you in social. The sort of social listening and customer insights piece of this is so huge. I mean, it doesn't matter what size company you are. It's huge. And it gets overlooked all the time because it's hard to value. It's hard to put a number around that. But what you learn about the people you're trying to sell to in social is incalculable. So now
0: what I'd love to do is take you, small consultancy slash agency, right? And I want to know, like, how are you applying this to yourself at Convince and Convert? Because I think there's a lot of smaller businesses listening right now that might, you know, be like really finding value and how you're actually putting it to practice for yourself. Because like you said, for your clients, you're giving them the game plan, but for your business, you're actually doing this stuff. So. It's
1: the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the same process. Yeah. The same, same reporting, the same everything.
0: But talk to us a little bit of specifics.
1: We just overhauled our social recently. Yeah.
0: Who are you trying to target? What, like, walk us through some of this for you, you know? Yeah. So
1: we have two audiences. We have audiences who are typically small, medium sized businesses, um, who want to learn things like we talked about here on this show, and we want to get them to the convinceconvert.com website. Largely, we do that through Google. 77% of our traffic is Google organic search. So a lot of that is a content creation exercise for our content team, writing smart blog posts, just like you do. We get them at the site, we want to get them on the email newsletter, grow the email list, et cetera, et cetera. But some of that happens in social as well. So that's audience audience one. And typically when we're trying to reach those, that audience in social, it's Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. Audience two are people who might... Become consulting clients. As we discussed, we typically work with medium sized and large businesses. So that's a, a particular type of company. They are less likely to consume a lot of content on our website and. And, uh, you know, read the blog religiously, etc. Much more likely to listen to my podcast or go to a webinar longer form kind of deeper thought leadership type content is what that audience isn't interested in. So we're going to try to reach them primarily on LinkedIn and through my podcast. And so we've got a series of shows in content executions and amplification strategies to to reach those dual audiences in different channels.
0: So LinkedIn for the larger clients and then for the smaller clients, which social platforms were you using for those ones?
1: Mostly Instagram, Twitter.
0: Okay. So how is your content strategy a little different on Instagram and Twitter? Like what are you doing specifically you know, to, because it's not easy to drive traffic from
1: Instagram you know, to your blog. No, and, and we don't think about it so much as a traffic driver in general. Here's the thing. E- even if you're in a social channel where, where links are permissible, right? Facebook, for example. As, as you and I know, Mike, every social channel penalizes you for adding a link. And not just
0: that, but even if you show an image that happens to have the wrong words in it, they penalize you. I'll give you a quick example. I took a screenshot of the header of one of my events social video summit as of this recording it will have passed on chrome and then on firefox okay and i noticed that firefox like amps up the color and it's much brighter and i put them together in an image and posted it on facebook i got zero zero engagement on it i edited the image to take out the name of the event and the register now button that happened to be in the screenshots all of a sudden engagement activated up like nothing, right? Amazing, right? So, you know, even a screenshot. Yeah, they're just
1: applying an artificial intelligence filter to the image, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't linking to anything. It was just like, hey, look at how Firefox changes the color saturation of your images, you know?
1: Well, and actually, you know, and you, I think we may have talked about this at one point. Facebook actually will, if you're going to post a video, they do a transcription behind the scenes. And if your video mentions the words YouTube in it, right? they suppress your reach.
0: Right. So your goal on Instagram isn't to drive traffic yet. You're trying to
1: target that. Now, our goal nowhere is to drive traffic. And here's why people know how to use a search bar. Mm -hmm. Right. So so if I can just get them to say, oh, convince and convert, that was smart. I should go to that site and see what else they have. That's fine. I, I'm actually more interested in in increasing our direct traffic, people typing convinceconvert.com into a browser bar than I am somebody clicking a link in social because getting them to try to click a link in social usually doesn't work for the reasons we just articulated.
0: So how is your content strategy a little different than on Instagram?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, we know they can't do it. So on Instagram, we really focus on stories. So essentially what we're doing now is once or maybe twice a week, we actually take a successful blog post or something that we know, like a, like a you know social media strategy in seven steps, like we talked about here. And we'll actually do an Instagram story that plays out that whole piece of advice in in in
0: uh like in, an animation kind yeah, of thing Exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, it's not so much like click here. You could do that in a carousel post too. Yes. You could do that in a Absolutely. Yeah. We do that also. It's more give them the whole sandwich in social and then they'll figure out how to get more sandwiches.
0: And I would imagine the engagement activity there might be a DM, right? So are they DMing us asking for more information and then we can send them off to the site, right? Precisely.
1: That's exactly what we're looking to do. And it's working well. We just switched to that approach recently. So it's a little too early to call the ball mathematically, but anecdotally, we're getting really great response.
0: Are you doing the same exact thing on Twitter with fleets and with uh, images and stuff? Or are you doing something a little different? No,
1: it's much more uh, carousel format or series of images, things like that. We're not executing it quite the same way.
0: Got it. Well, Jay, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating to kind of get a peek under the hood at strategically how you help your clients figure out a strategy. And I know so many people here fall into both of those buckets. So the smaller businesses who might want to check out the things you're doing at Convince and Convert on the website, and then the larger ones who might want to become you know, customers of yours. So why don't you tell them where they can discover you depending on which audience they're in? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you, you can, uh, you can find us at convincingconvert.com that has all of our okay. uh, free resources and downloads and templates and blog posts and podcasts for um, people who might be interested in, in becoming a client. We have a page you can find at the top nav uh, called the 17 problems we solve. And I suggest you go to convince You click that link. And if you got one of those 17 problems, you should call us.
0: And if they want to engage with you on the social platforms, what's your preferred platform? Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Yep, yep,
1: it's Twitter. At, at Convince.
0: At Convince. Oh, you got that word. That's amazing. Did you used to have Jay Bear? Or did you never have Bear? I have I Jay,
1: have Jay Bear? Bear for me. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm at Jay Bear for me and at Convince for the for the company.
0: And Jay Bear is B A E R. Indeed. Jay, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate all the wisdom you've given us today.
1: My pleasure, my friend. Always uh appreciate it. Can't wait to come back for a ninth time. It'll
0: happen someday. <laughs>
1: Talk to you then. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, and I know we talked about a lot, you can find all the notes over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 460. And also, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow this show. And if you've been a long-time listener, would you let your friends know that you love this show? You can tag me on Instagram. I am at Stelzner. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the best out of your day in my social media continue to change your world in a good way. See you next time.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.